Welcome to another week of In the Crease Avalanche Review, where we talk all things Colorado Avalanche and NHL news across across the league. I am here with Big Hirsch is joining us again. Hey. And Greg Downda, which we don't have a nickname yet for. I'm just going to call you Metalhead or something. I don't know, man. We'll think of something someday. Oh, yeah, we'll get it down. Anyway, uh, big treats for you guys. Couple of developments over at Rocky Mountain Sports Report. We're gonna be coming at you guys starting tomorrow night or Monday night, uh, March first, with a post game post game podcast through these through another system called Spreaker. Um, pretty cool system, and our our post game stuff is mostly gonna cover just a little thirty minute segue on the game, what we thought happened in the games, what looked good, what looked bad, and uh, we'll be one of us hosting on different nights. So look forward to that. We'll post those on our Rocky Mountain Sports Report platform in the uh, RMSR group page on Facebook. Give us a listen on those, and of course, um, listen to this podcast on Tuesdays. The other development is, yes, we were going to do a live stream this past Saturday, but ran into some issues. We pushed that back a week, so hopefully we'll be coming at you guys live during the game um, on Saturday uh, around 7.30 is our start time for our live stream. So if you guys want to tune into that and enjoy the game with us, give us your comments as the game's going on. We look forward to that. But let's get into the past week of hockey for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, bit of a bumpy start Monday night. Wednesday night was a complete fiasco. And then uh, wrapped up it wrapped it up with a back-to-back in Arizona, our first two games against them with uh, back-to-back wins. Starting with a game Monday against the Vegas Golden Knights. That was the end of a four-game series, guys. And what a series it was. The first of eight games, the first four of eight games against the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think we all kind of expected to see this. A highly contested set of games against a very good opponent. A hot goaltender that's not named Robbie Leonard. uh, And instead, Marc-Andre Fleury in what looks like a resurrection year for him. Uh, what did you guys think about Monday night's game, the O three loss? Uh, you know, it was <laughs> it's kind of like we predicted uh, for last week's podcast. You know, I, I expected we'd see some playoff hockey, and honestly, it felt like some playoff hockey. Uh, unfortunately, it, it happened to be in the the sense that Flurry just came out and stole the show. I mean, he just he played like a man possessed. He, he Faced 34 shots, and none of them looked like they had any chance of getting by. I mean, there's opportunity after opportunity with with open shots and and you know shots from the slot and and, and open creases, but he just you just kind of knew nothing was going to get past him after a certain point, especially after that first period when he when he robbed Kadri rolling over and Rob McKinnon, you know, throwing his goal stick and then jumping to, to make a save with his shoulder. It's just like, uh Oh, this we're in for, for some trouble with this game. So it was, it was a great game to watch, but you just, you kind of knew that, that flurry was on something in that game. And unfortunately it happened to be with us wearing our, our retro jerseys and on what was, uh, you know, retro night, and unfortunately, no fans in the the arena to you know kind of join in the fun. But it is what it is. Thankfully, we got to see some you know the the best jerseys in the league, and uh, would have been nice to see a W. But you know, what do you do against a, a goalie playing like that? 
You know, man, uh, what else can you say against Marc-Andre Fleury? You know, whenever you see him between the pipes, it's hard. It's it's hard to, for me as a fan, I can't even imagine as a player, to look at, you know, the opposing goalie and just be like, wow, okay, cool. So I got a future Hall of Famer between the pipes now. And, you know, it doesn't matter how, like, what kind of shot I can get on him. He just happens to stand on his head. Uh I wouldn't say that there was a lack of support for, uh, you know, for any of the goaltending or, or defense. I wouldn't say there was a lack of support, but you could say that there wasn't as much oomph, uh, especially with the week's prior games all against Vegas. You know, there was, what, uh, three games in seven days against Vegas? Yeah. So, and essentially, we could look at it as we split the series, you know, two and two. Obviously, it's a. We see them eight times. We saw them four times over the past week and a half. So, yeah, you know, it was. Uh, it was interesting. It was interesting to watch, man. It was there's definitely some highs, but I don't think you can take a loss too much to heart, especially when you're going against a future Hall of Fame goalie and Flower. You you, you just can't you you can't get hung up on that loss, you know. So. Absolutely, both both of you guys make very valid points. You know, Fleury is a Hall of Fame, you know, future Hall of Famer. Um, the the acrobatic saves, you know, took me back to you know Martin Brodeur, Patrick Waugh, you know, some some of the some of the previous greats out there, and it, you, you just watch him and you're just like, how did he make that save? How did he anticipate that? This is one of the more brilliant minds in the crease for for any team out there. That is, that is currently playing, and my God, you know, you, you got Kadri, McKinnon, Landeskog, they're all kind of sitting and staring at each other in the bench in the locker room, like, what the hell do we got to do to get a puck past this guy? And they're like, I don't know, bro, let's just wait for a different game. You know, go out there, try our hardest, and to give credit where it's due, you know, both Marc-Andre Fleury is one of the top five goaltenders in the league right now with a goal against average under two. You know, Philip Grubauer was that same was in that same position. You know, the the Wednesday's game kind of bumped his 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 goals against average up over two, you know, two point zero one. But um, still, it's 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 impressive to see a goaltender getting on such a hot streak like that. And he had to, if you think about the the Golden Knights and their their uh, inability to put the puck in the net. You know, they they they've been struggling to score goals. Um, you know, within the past week or two weeks, so it was it was a it was a highly contested game. I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to see these two teams battle some more. I mean, you're talking about two teams that might potentially match up with each other in the first or second rounds of the playoffs. Considering that the top four teams of the division will all play, you know, are going to play each other for at least the first two rounds of the playoffs before they get to the conference final, the the semifinals. Of the Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup Finals. Wednesday's game leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Um, yeah, let's not talk about that one. <laughs> unfortunately, we have to we have to touch on the subject uh, for for a couple of reasons. One, Minnesota was just coming back from their own COVID uh, own COVID protocol issues. Um, this stems back to when we played them beginning of February. Um, we didn't get our fourth game of our four-game series against them in. 
uh, due to, you know, people testing positive for the Minnesota Wild and then, you know, having three of our guys test positive and go on COVID uh, restriction policies. So Minnesota was just coming back and they were hungry to get back on the ice. You know, before they even came to play Colorado, they I think they went and beat up on Anaheim for a couple of games and scored, I think, four or five goals in each of those games. So that you're talking about a team that's shooting the puck and they're shooting it well and they're scoring goals. Not to mention that Kaprizov, their their rookie their rookie guy, is really starting to fly. You know, I think I saw he had a nice wraparound goal the other night. So you know, Kirill Kaprizov is really starting to fly for them and is really starting to prove uh, show why he's a he's going to be a threat for years to come and hopefully turn around that Minnesota team. I say hopefully because I like seeing competitive teams out there, even though they're a, a, a rival and everything else like that, and we're supposed to hate them all. I love competitive hockey, and if you know if all the teams are competitive, it makes it that more entertaining for everybody. So we look at Wednesday night's game. Uh, it was an unfortunate loss, six to two for the Avalanche, but there were more issues to address than just the goal, the, the the final score. I don't know what was going on with the Avs that game. Uh, hopefully, and obviously, Jared Bednar addressed the issues because the back-to-back series against Arizona were two wins. So, what do you think, Greg, was the biggest issue in Wednesday night's game? Yeah, you know, it's hard to pinpoint something. Um, as just saying, oh, you know, that's where we messed up and fixed that and we're fine. There's just, I don't necessarily want to say a lack of effort. You know, I... I, I when you're watching the game, you could tell the guys were trying. You know, they were they were putting in the effort. The biggest thing I saw, though, throughout that whole game was the lack of response. Um, in that, you know, they, they'd have a, a pretty pretty good shift, you know, keep most of the pressure in the ozone, and you know, be flying around, getting shots, doing good stuff, but they wouldn't score. And rather than taking and going, all right, keep up this pressure, <clears throat> you know, keep it going, and let's let's get a puck in the net. They kind of let off the gas instead. You know, they went the opposite way, and it just ended up biting them every single time they did. And you could almost kind of see, you know, kind of a, a an expectation to score every time. And when it didn't happen, they just kind of hung their heads and let Minnesota roar right back and, and take control of the game. So it was, I don't know, it, it was really tough because can't even say that it was, you know, it was necessarily bad offensively. We had 32 shots in that game, and that's a, a great average for, for any night. You know, you're getting 32 shots on that. You should be, you know, putting some pucks in the net unless you're facing Flurry. But, <laughs> you know, thankfully we weren't. And, unfortunately, we only got two passes of, uh, you know, two passes of their goalie. And, yeah, it just, it was, it was weird to see. You know, it's not something that we're used from this team of, of kind of seeing the, the heads hung low and and you know the ah shucks moments you know you, it, we're kind of used to seeing it lead to more fire you know lead to damn i didn't score that one but now i'm pissed and i'm gonna score the next one you know that's what we're used to and so it was really strange to see it's it's definitely strange to see and you speak to it you know that fire that passion that you want to see i mean who can give it who can forget nathan mckinnon being upset on the bench and you know falling on his ass but you know that's the, you know that's the kind of passion you want to see from some of your leaders, and uh, 
Mike, I, I put this question to you. You know, I sat and I watched that game, and I'm pretty sure you caught some pieces of it as well. You know, there were times, as Greg had, had pointed out, where Minnesota just took control of this game and were, it looked like they were skating, you know, skating circles around the avalanche in the offensive zone on NHL 21 rookie mode. It, 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 was, uh, it was a crazy sight to see, you know. Um, and then towards the end of the game, you have to, what most teams do these days is they push their defensemen into the play to create more offense, and that creates the breakaway opportunities for the opposing team, which, which, which is what we saw on two occasions in the third, which left Grubauer um, high and dry, so to speak. And, you know, when something like that happens in a blowout loss, what happens on social media, doesn't matter if it's Twitter or Facebook or something else, is you get, you get these... Uh, you get these people to come out and they start pointing fingers, pointing the blame at people. And nine times out of ten, when you get a blowout loss like that, the blame goes to the goaltender. Is that a fair assessment on Philip Grubauer, or was this just a fluke performance? I think any hockey fan worth their salt and knowledge would know that, first off, hockey's not an individual sport. <laughs> we're not talking tennis, right? We're not, we're not talking pool. We're not talking the, the 400 freestyle, you know, and swimming or whatever. We're talking a team game. It takes a team to win. Yeah, a goalie can steal the show, or yeah, some dude can just have a, a seven-point night, as we've seen in multiple games, uh, not just from our perspective. But uh, we can honestly, no, <laughs> to answer your question, that's a simple answer. No, you can't put all the blame on the goaltender. So on that on that point, you, you you make it a good point. It is it is a team type of game. You know, you sit there, and even the NHL has a commercial out there that has players talking to and doing interviews, and it's always we 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 as we as a team, we as a group, we as this. You know, so it is a team sport. It is a team effort, and nine times out of ten. A goalie, any goalie can perform well as long as you have a solid defense, you know, a solid defensive scheme and plan in front of them when they're playing defense. I mean, it it's difficult to, you know, sit there and be a goaltender with a breakaway or when you're play, playing two players. They have more ability to manu manipulate and move the puck than what you do as a goalie standing there going, all right, you know, trying to guess where they're going to shoot the puck, how they're going to shoot the puck and what position and how much of what angle you're going to take to cut off their their approach it's not an easy concept i mean i've i've tried it it sucks you know and it it's really really not easy and to do all that wearing all that gear and trying to move from side to side without tearing anything in your hips your groin you know is difficult you know you got to be very string you gotta be very springy and everything and Grubauer does an amazing job he's still a you know still a top five top 10 goaltender in this league and uh you know the abs gave him an extra day off instead of playing him on Friday night they played him on Saturday night and played Hunter Miska on on Friday night so with that being said we'll go ahead and we'll jump forward into our um two games against Arizona Friday night's game was a 3-2 win. They brought up an interesting stat during that game that I think only on two occasions have they given Philip Grubauer 
four or more goals in his starts um, as a team. And then they did it again on on uh, Saturday night. But we'll get to that in a second. What I want to touch on is Hunter Miska getting his first, you know, his first career NHL win with the Colorado Avalanche on Friday night. Now, not to say that he couldn't have gotten his first win earlier. He's had two other opportunities. I believe one was against the Ducks, and the other one was, I think, against Minnesota. I think there was a back-to-back in there with Minnesota. And uh, both those games were losses, but they weren't, like, complete blowout losses. You know, he had a solid defensive plan in front of him and everything. Um, for the, You know, I caught quite a bit of the game Friday night. Would you guys, Mike, would you catch any of that game Friday? I did. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, we're talking the first game against uh, Arizona, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No. Uh, I I ended up catching most of it. I think I got home just a little bit after the first period had started. But yeah, uh, he was solid. I mean, practically throughout that entire and uh, uh, throughout that entire duration, you know, uh, able to see he saw most of the pucks that came at him, and you know that just speaks to the defense. Like, hey. Uh, Maybe we should back him up this time instead of leaving him out and you know handing in yet another loss. You know, yeah, his loss look, makes us look bad. You know, kind of thing. So uh, I will say that it was a little bit of a uh, a fingernail biting little bit there at the end, and they score like two goals within the like the last three minutes or something. Yeah, like that. it was it was definitely close. I mean, uh, for those who caught the game. The Avs got out to a three nothing lead, or, you know, in that game going into the third or during the third period, and within the last five minutes of the game, as you pointed out, Mike, they gave up two pretty quick goals to the uh, to the Arizona Coyotes, and we're all sitting there like, oh shit, here we go again, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of deal. And that that that'd be one of those in person games where we're both on the edge of our seats, and we're just like, oh god, please don't do this to me. And and we'll dive we'll dive some more into into some overtime stuff here in a little bit. I, I've got some questions for you guys in regards to overtime and how you guys feel about some stuff there. Greg, that the uh, the other the other thing I think I saw in Friday's game was uh, the announcement that Matt Calvert was not going to play. The Avs skated with nineteen players in that game, eleven forwards, six defensemen, and. Uh, and the uh, two back, the two goaltenders, Matt Calvert did participate in warmups pregame in Arizona on Friday night, but did not play and was listed with another upper body injury. Um, I believe you and I talked about this a um, couple night uh, the other night. You know, this may be another post concussion syndrome issue that we're seeing with Matt Calvert, um, and it looks like we may be tinkering towards. I'm not saying we are, but I have this gut feeling that we may be looking at the end of a fan favorite in Matt Calvert's career. Yeah, it's it's tough. It, it's extremely tough to see. Uh, as you said, he, he participated in warmups. Uh, they, you know, after it was it was announced that he wasn't going to be playing. Um, you know, the altitude uh, family was real good about getting. Uh, you know, some footage of him in warmups, kind of showing that real quick. It was interesting. You know, he looked like he was skating fine, looked like he was shooting fine. Everything was kind of good. 
you could almost kind of see it on his face that he just wasn't comfortable or that something was wrong. And being someone who I, I, I've only thankfully dealt with one or two concussions throughout my life, but I've, I've played sports my entire life and growing up, I know many people who have concussion issues and who have, you know, post concussion issues. It's tough. You know, you really see changes in their demeanor, in their, um, you know, kind of in the humanity of those people in that you just, you see stuff kind of slip away. And, you know, I, I would love to say that, you know, hopefully we are wrong. Hopefully it was just like, a, oh, he tweaked his shoulder on a shot or something. I, I, you know, I'm hoping to whatever I have to hope to that that is the true case. But you, there's just something you could see in it, you know, in his eyes and his face that just something's up. Something's really up. And, and I, I hate to say it, but I 100% agree with you. I think we're seeing the end of, of Calvert's career. And it's it's depressing. You know, it, it's absolutely depressing. I know here in Colorado, we love the guy. Uh, everywhere that he's been, he is absolutely loved. He's just he's an amazing human being. And to see this happen to anybody but especially a, a fan favorite like him is just, it's crushing. It really is. Most definitely. And it's not the first time that the Colorado Avalanche have had to deal with the potential loss of a, of a player, you know, a fan favorite player like that. We go back to last season and we lost Colin Wilson for majority of the season as he was dealing with his own mental health issues. Um, and uh, sometime after the season, Colin Wilson finally released his own article explaining what he was dealing with and that he was officially retiring from the game of hockey. Now, hopefully we don't see the same issue with Matt Calvert. Hopefully, like you said, Greg, it is you know a shoulder tweak, a rib injury, something like that. But based on, uh, based on what we've seen so far this season with Matt Calvert, I... I fear for the worst in it being this post-concussion syndrome. Um, post-concussion syndrome, for those of you who don't know, covers a wide variety of topics, um, as you touched on, Greg. It could be anything from just simple mental health, depression, um, you know, just blurry vision, stuff like that. And I think Calvert's dealing more with the, 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 the vision issues, hence the pink, the tinted pink visor and everything else like that. Um, Mike, I know you've had your own share of injuries. I'm pretty sure a concussion's been in there at some point in your in your in your career there, um, between your your military service and you know maybe dropping a box or two on your head over there with your current job. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, on Matt Cal Matt Calvert's situation? You know, when I had, uh, when I had picked up, uh, I think in the messenger that we use uh, that we. I think it was you that we may be seeing the end of Matt Calvert's career. I mean, my heart sank a little bit, man. Like, that's not somebody I want to see go, bro. Like, you know, I don't think he, you know, minus the concussions, I don't. I think he would still have some years left in him. Obviously, he's a hard worker. He seems to be such a, a great presence on the ice, physical, as well as that mental presence, that mental, we'll say, veteran leadership. Uh, just from being around the league. So it's disheartening, for sure. Uh, I don't want to see, obviously, as a true fan, you never want to see anybody get hurt, but it kind of just stinks a little more when it's your player. So to hear that Matt Calvert was unable to play, kind of just like, damn, man, no. Like, say it ain't so, bro. Like, uh, 
I mean, I say it with a smile now, just to just to hide the pain. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it sucks, man. There's no other two words that you can put together. Is it sucks. And yeah. I don't, I don't want to see him go. But if he has to step away for safety reasons, uh, more power to him, man. I just, you know, I, I wish him the best, and I hope this isn't at the end. This is not the end of his career. Yeah, I, I feel you right there, man. I'm pretty sure most Avalanche fans feel that way. You know, Matt Calvert in his time here in Colorado has really made a name for himself with his gritty style of play and, you know, his willingness to play anywhere on any four of the lines. And, you know, his, you know, you know, he reminds me of that kid off of, you know, that guy off of family. And his big whoop, you want to fight about it? And, you know, he's willing to go up against anybody out there. So I, I, I really enjoy seeing him on the ice. And uh, it's unfortunate that he's not there now, but... I, I really hope that we we uh, get to see him further down the road, and hopefully, uh, in time, if he's he's around during the playoffs, because his present is a big boost to this team uh, when you know the game's on the line. Um, but with his absence comes a bit of a bright light with some of the other players, like uh, a Logan O'Connor, you know, stepping getting opportunities to play with the big club and not sitting on the taxi squad or being shipped down to the Colorado Eagles. Um, so it's nice to see people like Logan O'Connor being able to step into those roles and just kind of go at it. Um, Saturday's game was a big boost for the Avalanche, a 6-2 win. And we saw a bunch of firsts in that game as well as uh, some, some faces... Uh, that were called up from the Eagles. Jacob McDonald uh, came up to cover Kale McCarr's position uh, on defense as Kale McCarr did not play Saturday night. And then Jared Bednar has announced that um, Kale McCarr is uh, not going to join the team on the ro road trip, even though he's listed as day-to-day. -day. The road trip is only two games, people, so let's not completely lose our minds. Um, McCarr is dealing with I believe an upper body injury, so it might be a shoulder or something like that. Makar is growing into one of those stout defensemen in the league and is not afraid to throw a hit or two. So I, I fully expect him back after dealing with a little bit of shoulder tightness or something like that. So it uh, shouldn't be too big of an issue. Um, like I said, we had some firsts, uh, first goals of the season for some players. Um, Jacob McDonald, his first goal with the color as a Colorado Avalanche, his second goal of his career, um, on defense, um, Pierre Edouard Belmar, who I was surprised to see come back in last night's game. He took a puck to the face, uh, in the uh, first period there. And I don't think anybody can get, forget him just like grabbing his face and falling to the ice and then like trying to get up and play defense. And I think it was Byram who was just like pointing him like, dude, get to the bench. You know, and it took him a while to get back. I think he spent some time in the uh, the quiet room, which is a new, um, something new that the NHL has introduced for concussion-related possibilities. You spend some time in the quiet room. You go through a testing, you know, you get asked questions, you know, where are your cognitive functions, stuff like that. And then if you clear, you get to come back out. Um, so it was nice to see Belmar bounce back. Hopefully he's not dealing with anything too serious. And then... Uh, Personally, somebody who I think has played well this season, you know, a lot of other people have been like, oh, that guy doesn't deserve to be up here. You should replace him with somebody else. Tyson Jost finally breaks the bubble and gets his first goal of the season after I don't know how many posts and how many highway robberies. Mike, 
What do you think about these three guys getting their first goals of the game of the season uh, last night? Jacob McDonald, Pierre Edouard Delmar, and Tyson Jost. I think it was just the first off. I want to touch on Pierre Edouard Belmar. I mean, that was you knew it was coming, man. You knew that Levy had to break eventually, right? Yeah. I mean, Belmar. He's obviously that season player. He's able to get pucks to the net. He's he's a playmaker when he has to be. He's got, he's he can be a gritty player. He can play any role you want him to. The fact that he got his first of the season last night, just I mean, it's it, it's still coming. Like <laughs> that that's a small crack in the levy, all right. That dam's about to break, bro. Like I foresee Belmar just like going off over the next. So I think we got what three or four games this week. Yep, four uh, so games I'm not this week. Be surprised to see Belmar. I'm not going to be surprised to see him on the score sheet uh, at all this week, just because I think he's going to explode. Um, McDonald, uh, I thought they had said that it was his uh, second NHL goal. His second career goal, his first goal of the season, and oh. first with the Colorado Avalanche. First with the Avs, okay. Yeah, uh, McDonald, uh, when he was going for that wraparound, I thought he was going to try for that uh, for the short side, you know, like sneaking in between yeah. the skate, the puck, and the line. You no, know, right no, that guy right. went five-hole. <laughs> exactly, but, you know, and I, I want to say, well, I don't want to say, but it looked like if you watch the replay, it looked like it slipped off his stick a little bit, and it just happened to go the right direction. But I mean, hey, a goal's a goal, man. I'll take him ugly. I'll take him nice. I'll take him whatever. I'll take goals. Um, so good for him, man. I can't. Uh, I can't. I don't know. I don't really know much too much about him, just because I haven't uh, really watched his play uh, either for us or for the Eagles. So I can't really say too much. But I'm excited. I want to see more, 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 more. And then I knew you were going to bring up Tyson Jost, bro. I absolutely <laughs> knew it, man. Um, good for him. I mean, bottom line, good for him. God, you know, everybody's just like, oh, you know, just as you know, like what you said, just doesn't deserve to play. You know, he needs to be somewhere else. We have plenty of talent. Blah 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 blah. Dude, <laughs> the fact that Jost has been able to just grind and grind and grind, and finally for it to just be like. Yes, you know he gets that Sally instead of the uh, instead of the disappointment dance. You know, like good God, good for you, Tyson. I'm, I'm happy. And I'm his, happy for you. And his goal comes, you know, moments after he gets robbed. You know, earlier in the game, like he had a clear opportunity in front of the net, and and their goalie just stood on his head and just, and just Ranta just threw the glove up, and it was right there. And you can see Joe's kind of like. Oh come on, man! I was right there. I almost had it, you know. But so, so Greg, I know you like me saw Joe's, you know, coming off, skating off the bench on a line change. Uh, Miko Rantanen finds him wide open with nobody around him, and he just throws that puck, you know, stick side right over the shoulder, and it goes in the net. And you just see him skate off on the side, and just that that fist bump, pump. You just like. How good does that gotta feel as a, as a as a hockey player? Just to finally, here we are, you know, end of February. He finally gets that goal. Oh, it's just, it's huge! It is absolutely huge. And like you touched on, there's I I, I want to see if it's a, a tracked stat. It's something I'm gonna look up here in a second of how many posts someone hits because he's got to be in double digits. Oh right? yeah, he's absolutely. Just, he, he has been robbed more than any player I have seen this year. And I, I, I thought it might be Gabe. You know, Gabe had had quite a few for a good streak there. I think it was like five or six games. Even even scoring a goal 
he just he was robbed all the time. But then I just kept looking at Tyson like, man, I have never seen more opportunities turn into nothing. This is just nuts. <laughs> so yeah, for it to for it to finally happen, like you said, right after getting robbed, because I thought that was it. I thought it was it. He had the puck all alone right down Broadway and it was like oh finally here we go and yeah Ronson just throws on that glove and just stops it like are you kidding me just let one in please for the love of God quit being so mean to this man so for, yeah, to see him finally get that one especially on such a great shot I mean it, it was almost identical to the one that he got robbed on yeah you know just a few moments before he just went to the other side and thankfully that's you know what, what fixed it but yeah, you, you almost see there for a second before the celebration. He, he kind of had the moment. I think uh, Mark Bozier touched on it on altitude. Of, he kind of looked around like, no offsides, no 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 delayed calls here. Like, this is good, right? Okay, I got <laughs> just, this. You, yeah, just, you saw that weight finally just fall off the bubble. Ah, finally. And that's, that's the, the best word I can find to describe it was finally. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Tyson Joseph is one of those players like like you both guys both of you guys touched on. This dude has been a grinder all season, and by far this has been one of his better seasons in the league um, since his time with the Avalanche. You know, uh, he was a tenth overall draft pick in his in his year that he was drafted, so the expectations were super super high for him to come in, just put the puck in the net, and score constantly. And you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out with a player like that. But I think he's he's found his role he fits in into it well and i think he really excels with the third fourth line you know center role that he's playing right now and i love seeing his explosiveness and his willingness just to go out there and be like all right you need me to grind you need me to you need me to forecheck these guys as hard as i can and then you know play my 30 40 seconds and then get off the ice so mckinnon can come out here and work his magic cool i got this let me go do my thing um Another person who scored a goal last night was our, our, our captain. His ninth year as a captain for this team, he scored his 202nd goal all-time with the Avalanche tying the great Peter Forsberg for third place overall in an Avalanche sweater. He is now chasing uh, Milan Hayduk, who has 375 goals in an Avalanche sweater, and Captain Joe Sackick and current GM, who holds a franchise record with 391 goals all-time. So here's my thing. Joe Sackick played his entire career with the Quebec Nordiques, Colorado Avalanche franchise. I think if Captain Gabriel Landeskog stays on this on this course, he's got 202 tallies in nine career nine years with the Colorado Avalanche. If he remains here for at least another ten and he puts up that same level of production, you're looking at a new leader on the all-time goals list. That is if Nathan McKinnon doesn't pass him first. <laughs> uh, in other news, they announced on the on the show Saturday, for those of you who don't follow Gabriel Landeskog on his uh, social media platforms, he is expecting another kid. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a boy or a girl, but he already has a little girl, and him and his wife are expecting another another child soon. So congratulations to Gabriel Landeskog on, on that announcement uh, as well. A um, couple of other things. I just had it, and I just lost it. Okay. I'll well, come back to that. While you're looking for that, I have, a, I have a question for both of you, okay? And it, lo and behold, I decide to watch a specific player this week, and then he just happens to go off 
these last two games, which kind of it irritated me for a little bit, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll explain why. But Greg, I'm going to go to you first on this, okay? What is your opinion based off of the, I think we're 17 games in now? Yeah, 17 games. What's your opinion on Nico Ratman? Because I was watching him the entire week. I've got some stuff I want to get off my chest, but I want to hear your opinion of him first. And then, Scott, I want to go to you. Greg, what you got? Uh, um, it's interesting with the Um I've... I've, to be honest, I've harbored a little bit of resentment towards him for um, a couple of years now since he got signed with uh, his holdout and then getting the, the massive contract that he ended up getting. Um, he's a phenomenal player. I mean, nobody can take that away. It, it's evident every time he's out there. But I personally don't feel he's that level of, of the, you know, the top um contract on your team level um and and you know they, they love to say snake bit on on uh, altitude and i i think it's it's definitely a good term but at the same time you know you you can only really be snake bit if you have the opportunities and it looked like for the, the past let's say week maybe two you know i he, he scored seven goals right off the bat, you know, took off like a bat out of hell and then just kind of hit a brick wall. And, and it, it wasn't, I wouldn't necessarily say like a, like a Gabe Landeskog or Tyson Jost's type of, of brick wall with, with being snake bit. He never really had the opportunities. He never really found himself in that position of a wide open net that flurry robbed him or, a you know, a, a a great shot that went off a post. You know, it may have happened, you know, once or twice in that span, but it wasn't like it was every game like it was for Jost or like it was for Kadri or like it was for Gabe. I mean, so I, I, I don't want to speak ill on him at all. He's, he's an Av and I love the Avs and he's a phenomenal hockey player, but he I just, I'm going to, I'm going to make some waves and say he's a little overrated. All right, I like it. What do you What do you got, Scott? All right, before I dive into my my part of it, I will I will say this for our listeners: Mike held this secret for the entire week on who he was going to talk about. So you're getting our opinions absolutely unfiltered and and like as honest as blunt as possible when it comes to this topic. Um, with that being said, um, I agree with some of the points Greg made. You know. Uh, I think his his uh, the end of his con- his initial contract with the Avalanche and just the what how many points he put up a ton of points that year I was like eighty or something at least you know he was up there with McKinnon because McKinnon was posting like almost a hundred uh, if it wasn't for an injury that he sustained at the end of that season so Burke uh, not Burkowski I'll get to Burkowski in a moment but Miko Rantanen. Um, you know, I think it was one of those, you know, it was a fortunate circumstance with the amount of points he had that at the end of the season. And his agent kind of said, hey, man, you know, you really, you were really one of the top point scorers for your, for your team. And this comes, this is back on a team that didn't have a whole lot of anything outside of their top line. Like Greg pointed out at the beginning of the season, he had six or seven straight games with a point or a goal, something of that nature, and uh, was really performing well. 
And most of it comes was um, power play opportunities and stuff where Rantanen kind of sets up his office on the lower, the lower right side of the net, you know, and waits for that cross ice feed for a nice little slap shot. And he's got that, he's got that office in the top corner right there. And, you know, it works for him. But what I've seen over the last uh, last couple of weeks for the Avalanche, especially with the struggles that they've had on the power play, last night was the first time they've had a power play goal in over a week, you know, since the Minnesota series before the COVID shutdown. You know, the power play's gotten stagnant. And I think because it's gotten stagnant, Miko Rantanen hasn't had the opportunities or the, or the goals or assists that he wants to have. Uh, for that reason, you know, in that aspect, yes, he's a little bit overpaid. He's a little overpriced, but um, it, it it's not a good or a bad thing. And it might lead to it might lead to Saki going you're like, hey, we did get snake bitten on this one. Maybe we need to see if we can spin them and send them out somewhere else, which could happen if you're looking at trying to keep um, Gabriel Landeskog and um, Nathan McKinnon, who are your two big guys on that team. A little bit longer you know you have somebody waiting in the wings the guy i want to talk about andre burakovsky who could step up on that on that first line and take miko rantanen's spot you know if you look at trading somebody like miko rantanen for some prospects or god forbid another goaltender because we don't know when pavel francos is coming back you know there are possibilities out there um i love miko rantanen and i think he's great on the ice and he provides some of that some of that stuff but as a whole i think the team as a whole needs to fix their their power play and just being still and McKinnon standing in one spot and Miko Rantanen standing in another spot. You need to mix it up. I want to see more of that power play that I saw in the first three games against Dallas Stars last year in the playoffs where everybody was just skating in freaking circles and you didn't know where the puck was going to come from. And next thing you know, it's in the back of the net. So for me, Miko Rantanen has some improvement to make, but the team as a whole has some improvements to make. And, uh, I'm, I like Rantanen, but he's a trade bait piece for me because of that contract. All right. I, uh, both of you guys make strong, strong points, and I'm glad I'm not the only person in this little trio that we have going who has, we'll say, almost the exact same views as you guys on Miko Rantanen, okay? Greg, I'm going to touch on what you said. He's an Av. I love Avs. Like, if he wears the Avalanche sweater, you know, great. Good for him. He obviously is a good player. He's a very, very good player. And he's hit that, like, I don't want to say bump, but, like, really big divot in, you know, doing what he does. You know, he's, he's kind of like, like, he's on a decline, it seems like, almost. Are you saying he's and a one-trick like pony? Kind of. I, I, I want to say... Yes, uh, specifically because, like, any of the shots that he has, okay, maybe not on the power play, because power play, you're at a man advantage. Like, okay, not everybody can be covered at the same time, and all you got is that floating box, you know, all around for uh, for being on the penalty kill. So I want to say he is a one-trick pony only because it doesn't seem like he can contribute anywhere else, Okay. Defense, I don't see. I don't see him, you know, jarring out hits. Yeah, he's a winger, so really hits aren't his thing. But then you look at uh, Tom Wilson with the Capitals. He's a winger. He's arguably one of the most dirtiest players in the entire NHL, and he throws hits like it's cool. You know, like 
Well, you're talking about wingers. Look no farther. Saying. Look no further than Nathan McKinnon roughing up the dude last year in the playoffs. I'm like he's a winger too, who sometimes oh, yeah. plays center. I'm like, you have exactly. one of your elite stars on the team going to town on somebody, and yet Miko Ran is standing there like, huh, okay. <laughs> right. So he's not doing that. So to me, kind of, I'm I'm taking what you said, Scott. He is a one trick pony for me. Again, I do love him, and the last two games he obviously went off, especially against the Arizona Coyotes. I'm looking at his stats right now. Two assists in last night's game, and then uh, uh, two or one assist and one goal in uh, Friday's game. So, like, maybe he heard my thoughts being thrown out in the Cosmic Universe and was just like, all right, I'm going to shut that big Sasquatch-looking dude up, you know? like, all right, I feel like, a disturbance. Whatever. Somebody so, is doubting my powers. <laughs> exactly, man. Um, anyway, I just had to get your guys' like thoughts on Miko because, God, it seemed like over the past week, week and a half of games, uh, we'll say from the start of the Vegas series last week, that he just he wasn't doing anything. Like, uh, like if you look at his points right now, he's at 18 points, 8 goals, 10 assists. So obviously he's been doing that. Right now he averages... Uh, you know, uh, like it's point nine one points a game. Okay, so he's almost up there, but he's not for that contract that he has. Well, I think it's nine million a year. I'm expecting a lot more out of the winger. That's, yeah, I mean that's all I have to say about that. But like, <laughs> ah, all right. I think yeah. we, I think we all expect a little more out of out of Miko Random with a contract like that. Um, you know, uh, like you say. Gabriel Landeskog, you know, is due for a contract and everything, but he brings a lot to the team as a captain. I mean, just look at what he did to Granlin on Friday night, you know, and that kind of gives you, you know, uh, okay, uh, don't mess with Landeskog, you know, um, he's going to put you on the ground. And, you know, and Landy provides a lot, so I could understand his contract being, you know, substantial, especially being a captain and everything. He's not he's not a pure goal scorer like, uh, like, Nathan McKinnon or Connor McDavid of the league, but he's still a, a contributing factor for this team and does a really great job. So we'll we'll see what happens there. You know, Kale McCarr's due for a new contract, but that dude, pure defenseman, putting you know, dude, a new career high in twenty five minutes and forty seconds of ice time on Friday. You know, Friday night. I'm just like, holy crap! And then he didn't play on Saturday night, so you're like, who take who covers that? Who covers that ice time? It fell to Bowen Byram and Samuel Girard to cover, you know, and Devin Tays to kind of cover that additional ice time. Uh, so, you know, it's crazy. Um, but I'm going to hop onto another subject, and I think it was overlooked in the broadcast last night. But Andre Burakovsky, after playing in his 400th NHA, NHL game Friday night and getting his 199th point on Friday night. He got two assists last night to put him over the 200-point plateau in his career. He's now sitting at 201, so congratulations to Andre Burakovsky. And as I pointed out in my little spiel about Miko Rantanen, if Miko Rantanen becomes a trade piece, Burakovsky becomes that next man up on that first line with uh, Landeskog and McKinnon. And who knows what will happen. We'll talk trade rumors and expansion draft and all that stuff in another episode way down the road because we still got plenty of season talk to go about. Um, so upcoming games. So, um, San Jose Sharks are on the schedule. We have two games away with them, um, March 3rd, March 1st and March 3rd. 
playing in San Jose. The last time we met this team, it was a battle. You know, I myself uh, see this team as being um, still building and still needing to uh, improve in some areas to be a, um, a huge threat with the San Jose Sharks. They have been threats in the past, and I believe they are doing okay. They're not doing great, but, uh, you know, teams do what they can with what they got around them. I'm pulling out the standings right now so I can give you guys some additional information there. And it looks like San Jose is in 8th place right now in the league, in the West Division with a 7 wins, 9 losses, and 2 overtime losses. Total 16 points. So they're last place in this league. They're in our division. So on paper, it looks like an easy win. On, you know, if you're betting, the Avalanche are, are going to be heavy favorites to win these two games. But I wouldn't shut the door on them, especially with their goaltending duo that they have. Mike, Greg, thoughts? Uh, man, uh, I think before the game last night, if you look at the division standings, like most of the teams were sitting at 16 points. And then there's a couple other teams that were sitting at 21 before last night. I think... Uh, Vegas was at top with 23 or something like that. I got you right now. Vegas is in first place with 25. Minnesota, 24. St. Louis, 24. Avs, 23 in fourth place. LA Kings, 22. Arizona, 21. Anaheim, 17. And San Jose, 16 points. Okay, so before last night, there was like three or four teams with 16 points. Two with 21. And then two with 23. So, to me, that... Seems while they shouldn't be write-off games, they shouldn't be easy wins. And as a fan, you're you're kind of thinking, okay, well, San Jose's in rebuild mode. They still have 16 points. They're not that far behind us. And with teams playing as they are, and obviously with no other games to play except or against each other, I'm not counting the Sharks out, man. Uh, I think Vlasic still has a lot of a lot of heat in him, a lot of life. And as we saw with Marc-Andre Fleury in Vegas, while they're not the same echelon of goalie, a goalie can steal the game for you. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't count him out. You can't count anybody out, especially in this division. Uh, you, and you, you touched on Vlasic, but you also have Jones in San Jose, and he's already played us pretty tough in one game uh, this, this season. So... Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what, what happens there. Um, and I, then I believe we come home. And who's on the schedule at home next week, Greg? Who do you got there on the schedule? Uh, let's see. It will be uh, the Anaheim Ducks. We're here Friday and Saturday, 5th and the 6th. Okay, so that place us. That has the sept, current, currently 7th place in the uh, Honda West Division. Anaheim Ducks coming to town. But again, it's another team that... Um, many people might overestimate, like you said, uh, there, Mike, you know, 17 points, we're sitting at 23. They're only six points behind us and they're only eight points behind Vegas in this, in this division, um, with 21 games played, you know, it's, uh, it's anybody, it's anybody's opportunity to jump up there and the points being so, you know, so closely stacked together, it's still way early to, to really call, you know, any team out as you know just blowing away 
an opponent in this division. You know, anybody can hop up in the next 20, 30 games and, you know, you know, just create that momentum for themselves. And the Anaheim Ducks have another solid tandem uh, with, with uh, John Gibson being their, their perennial um, starter there. So, and Gibson's already stolen a game from the Avs, Avs this season. So, you know, you run into a hot goaltender, guys, it's, it's going to happen. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to pull it off. I will say this though, the, uh, the differential for the Ducks and the, the Sharks is probably their biggest issue. The Anaheim Ducks have a minus 19 differential and the Sharks have a minus 18 differential. That might be their biggest problem is giving up goals and not competing enough to put uh, more goals in the game. Um, perfect example, last night's game for San Jose against the St. Louis Blues. That game ended 7-6, to six, St. Louis. Uh, I don't think, you know, it was back and forth all night. I score a goal, you score a goal. I score a goal, you score a goal. And that's how it went the entire game last night for San Jose. Most times you put up six goals in a game, you're winning that game. It was not the case last night, and uh, I think both teams ended up using their backup goaltenders in that game, and it was just not pretty. Um, some of the uh, some of the some of the groups I follow, like over the boards hockey and stuff like that, really gave it to the admins of their respective teams uh, in that game. So we're coming up on the end of our podcast this evening. Uh, we're going to get some uh, some information out to you guys that we shared at the beginning of the show. We're going to start doing our post-game podcasts uh, starting with tomorrow night or Monday night's game. It'll be Tuesday when you guys hear this. So um, we have a podcast out for our Monday night game. Uh, please check it out. It's on our Rocky Mountain Sports group, uh, Sports Report group Facebook page. And then we will release one for Wednesday night's game. Um, hopefully an hour or so after the game. We'll post it immediately. You guys can listen to it fresh. And then uh, live stream. We're going to start our live stream on Saturday. Saturdays at 7.30 p.m. There's a game going on. We'll have the game on. Uh, I, I at least will have the game on in my in my in uh, on my TV. Pretty sure Mike and Greg will have it on their game their, their TV as well. We can talk about the game. We can talk about what's gone on in the past. Our podcast will still uh, will still go on. It'll just record whatever we were talking about during our live stream broadcast. Uh, for me, that's going to wrap it up this week. Uh, Greg, any final words, Avalanche or otherwise? Uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and steal from your shirt there. Uh, be excellent to each other. Yeah, I am wearing my uh, my Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure shirt that I got from a Loot Crate box oh, a couple of years ago. Love this shirt. Absolutely love it. Uh, Bill and Ted, always be excellent to each other. Great film. I have yet to watch the third, the, the newest one, but it is definitely on my list of stuff to watch. I just got to gotta find it. Mike, any final words for us there, man? are okay with it i'll definitely be watching another player and then the next podcast maybe during the live stream i'll ask you your your god's honest opinion about a specific player i watch over that week so if you guys are up for that i'll, I'll uh i'll do it again bro i i am most definitely down for it that holds very true to uh what rocky mountain sports report is we are unfiltered opinions um so i am always down to provide uh clear and personal honest feedback on a player as much as possible, good or bad. Um, them being avalanche players, I always hope for it to be good. 
but if we're not honest with ourselves and how the avalanche can be better and how they can cut costs here and there then we're not doing ourselves a service as a as a as a as an in the crease avalanche review podcast type deal and uh you know we're going to get down to those nitty-gritty questions we might not talk about it now with what the the salary cap is or personal costs or anything else but eventually we'll get to that stuff and it's important to kind of highlight players and give our our thoughts and feedbacks on uh if they're hurting the team or if they're helping the team now so that we can review that stuff down the road so i absolutely love it mike i i look forward to seeing uh uh, which player you're going to, um, you know, quote unquote, throw under the bus next week. <laughs> you got it, bro. Well, all I got to say is uh, uh, have a good night and go abs go. This, uh, this next month of uh, home hockey will be interesting. Most definitely will be. Um, for those of you, uh, I'll touch on it real quick before we get off. Um, yes, Arizona had play, uh, fans in the stands um, this past weekend. Uh, the ball arena has yet to get clearance on whether they can allow fans or not. They are working on that process and hopefully soon fans will be allowed. Um, once we know from more information from concrete sports entertainment, we'll gladly share that with you guys. We'll share any updates that we get through the Rocky mountain sports group, uh, report group, Facebook page. And if it happens to be during our live stream, we will share it. If we have any information uh, that we can release on one of our post game podcasts, we will definitely share that as well. Um, thank you guys for coming on today. Big Hirsch, it was nice to see you again. I know you've been busy, man. Um, but always, always a pleasure to have you guys on. And, uh, moving forward, we'll continue to do this. And hopefully this live stream is up and running and we have an amazing time on, uh, on Saturday. Um, I hope you got, I hope, uh, our listeners tune in, check it out and everything. And hopefully we can get some new, uh, some new listeners and followers on the, uh, live stream. I know Greg's got an awesome intro video going for us, and we'll look forward to debuting that with you guys on Saturday. Until then, everybody stay safe out there. Enjoy the upcoming month month of March, and hopefully with 13 games being played at Ball Arena this uh, upcoming month, we get some fans in the stands to cheer on our boys in Burgundy and Blue. Until then, guys, have a great week, and we'll see you guys Saturday.